0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail. Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well. But now you're back, and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm. Shake your hand and welcome you back home with
0: open arms. We're America, your family, a land of liberty. We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free. We are America, and we truly do believe. You're the backbone of our nation, thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue.
1: We're America, your country, and America
0: wants you. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. Your hosts are Gary Ray and Ted Griffin, Jr. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here are your hosts, Gary and Ted.
2: Good morning everyone. My name is Gary Ray along with our co-host Stephen Lee. Good morning, Stephen. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing terrific, Gary. How about yourself, pal?
2: Good, good. And Stephen, how would you like those races that went on on uh, Saturday, especially Saturdays?
1: Well, you know, I like Saturday's race. That was uh that was great. Uh, Kevin Harvick uh pulled that out there, but uh Sunday was a little bit uh, hairy. If you saw, uh, some spectators were hurt, and our uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the injured and and their families. Um, you know that's the kind of thing that can happen in that type of a sport. And I know NASCAR, uh, as I've worked with them in the past. Uh, thanks to you, Gary, uh, uh, getting me involved as the media coordinator. Uh, you know they do the best they can to make it uh, as safe as they can for both the drivers and the spectators. You know, occasionally these type of things uh, these type of things occur. But uh, I'd like to uh, welcome all of you listeners uh, to the American Heroes Network. Thank you for taking the time and the initiative this morning to tune in and listen to us. And Gary, uh, I'll shove it back to you, pal.
2: All right. I'd like to remind our listeners that American Heroes Network covers all uniformed services and today we have the honor of having with us Steve Martin no that's no relation <laughs> and he spent he, he spent 8 years in the military and presently an Arizona DPS officer good morning steve good morning how are you good good
1: good well, morning steve a fellow uh, phoenixite uh-huh. Yeah, that's I right. I'm, moved-
3: out, I'm out on the west side of the valley, out kind of by Luke Air Force Base. I,
1: I just uh, actually just flew in here to our Orlando studios uh, last night uh, uh, just for you. Actually, no, I could have stayed right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, Steve, why don't you give us a little background? What happened in 2008? And in, um, in 2008, I was
3: actually, um, I was out of the military. I was back, I was working for the State Department. And I was embedded back in an Army infantry unit. Um, I was, um, on an assignment working in, um, uh, Logar, Afghanistan, at right Fob Shank. And we were, my team and I were headed out to, uh, work, uh, you know, go, head, heading out to work with some of the Afghans in, in the village of Chark. And our Humvee was hit by an IED. Wow. Um, all four of us survived, all four of us were wounded, and two of us ended up losing both legs.
1: Wow. My goodness. So, great
3: group of guys. They, uh, they did a great job keeping us alive, you know, continuing the fight and, uh, getting us out there, getting us medevaced out, out to Bagram. And, uh, like I said, all four of us ended up surviving, uh, and we ended up, uh, Again, two of us lost both legs. I tried for almost a year and a half to save mine, but I was never going to walk again. I was never going to do the things I wanted to do. So I actually ended up having both my legs amputated in November of two thousand nine, below the knee.
1: Well, first of all, Steve, we, we want to sincerely thank you for your service and your sacrifice, and uh, it uh, uh, it's very much appreciated uh, by us and 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 our fellow Americans and. Um, Anyway, I uh, I saw some things in there that uh, you talked about uh, uh, going over to San Diego. Uh, I believe you, Mission Ocean Beach or Mission Beach there. Mission you, Beach, yeah. Mission Beach, yeah. I know it know it well. And uh, you know, you you put your toes in the water and uh, you know tried to tried to make a, a, a you know a life's decision. Um, you know, whether to, uh, you know, to, to, to keep your legs, uh, or, or to have them, uh, have them amputated to further, better your lifestyle. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Steve?
3: Um, after I was wounded, I, you know, we went to Bagram, obviously, and then from Bagram to Landstuhl in Germany, where the, the was treated amazingly, you know, um, They took care of me. They took care of my family. My wife was actually there. My ex-wife, we've since divorced, but the, um, she was actually in Afghanistan as well and medevaced home with me. Well, the military did a great job of taking care of not just me, but her answering questions for my family back here at home. And then I made the decision to, to come home to Phoenix instead of going to Walter Reed just so I could be close to family and home and, Friends, you know, that was a decision that, that I was allowed to make, and so I, I met it back all the way back home to Phoenix. Um, I spent about seven weeks, and I was in I was in the ICU for about seven weeks, um, having basically it seemed like having surgery every day. Uh, after I was released from the hospital, you know, I went home. My uh, wife went back to Afghanistan, so my parents, actually my mom came out here to Phoenix from Houston and took, and took care of me for about a year and a half. Um and it was, I was, you know, seven days a week a nurse would come to the house and change my bandages. It was uh, almost six months before the wounds of my legs healed uh, to where I could take a bath. Before then I, I had to, you know, just clean uh, with Watch claws and you know the sink and things like that. But my legs basically weren't watertight, and I couldn't get the, couldn't take a chance of getting in the tub because of all the open wounds I still had. Um, so I, I, again, I, I have a, an amazing family, and great friends that took great care of me. Um, and after after about nine months, I was able to stand and take a few short steps. Uh, I was going to physical therapy for my other injuries, you know, I broke all my, uh, you know, broke a bunch of ribs, my hips, my arms. So I was, I was in physical therapy trying to like work on my arm, you know, try and get some of the range of motion back in my arm. And, but it came to a point where I, I knew, you know, I was in, in and out of surgery almost about once a month that I was never going to be able to really walk or do anything. And I got to the point where I could, Maybe go grocery shopping, but I might not be able to walk back out to the car to get the groceries. I had to make sure I took all the perishables in, uh, in one bag or in one trip because I may not be able to walk back out. That's how bad it hurt when I was able to finally start walking. And the decision was made, um, to amputate both legs below the knee to, to give me a chance to get out of that wheelchair, to get off the pain meds, to, to get my life back in order, to take a shot at it because it was guaranteed that I would not have any chance to do those things if I kept my legs. And there was, you know, obviously some chance with prosthetics.
1: Well, it certainly seems that you've made the right decision, Steve, and uh, many thanks to, to mom and family, huh?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, the, my parents were amazing. Like I said, they gave up um, a year and a half of their time um, together because, you know, dad stayed in Houston to, to work. Mom came out here and you know, I mean, there's 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 pros and cons to having mom around 24 seven, having to take care of you when you're 40. Uh, but my mom's an awesome cook, so I, I was sitting around. You know, I average about a surgery a month trying to you know you know fix the legs. And so, meanwhile, mom's making good breakfast, mom's making good lunch, mom's making good dinner. And you know, you get a little heavy because you can't do anything. So that that was a struggle once I lot, once the legs were amputated. Was Man, I got, I got big. I need to, uh, <laughs> I need to, I need to lose this weight and learn how to walk and exercise and, oh, now I gotta eat right. So, I mean, there was, there was a lot of challenges with, with it. But yeah, my, my family was absolutely amazing through the whole thing. They backed me up, supported me. Um, they were real, real hesitant about me having my legs amputated, but it was the only chance I had, uh, to, to take a chance to, to improve my circumstances, to take a chance at getting my life back in order, and I, I, don't, I don't regret it for a minute. It, was a, it, was a, it, wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision, but it was an important decision. So it, it was, you know, I had I had to I knew what I had, but I wanted more.
1: All right. You bet. You bet. Were you uh, were you in Scottsdale Memorial Hospital there on uh, I believe it's Shea? Uh, I
3: was at Scottsdale Osborne, the one down in Osborne, so there's there's a couple of them in Scottsdale, too. But, yeah, I was, I was at Scottsdale Osborne.
1: Yeah, my, my son was born at uh, the one up on Shea, so I know yeah. those are great, great facilities. And uh, you talk uh, you to- talk so highly of uh, your physician. Uh, is that uh, Dr.
0: Rohrer?
3: Yeah, Dr. Uh, Tony it was I uh, actually just saw him last week. We keep in touch. We we do things together. The guy was amazing. He... Did everything he could to try to um, fix me and, and or to fix my legs, and eventually, you know, he didn't want to give up. Um, but, to, you know, at some point, the doctors like, "Well, we're trying to save what's there." But, you know, then when I came, when it came time, I told him, "I'll give you a year. I will give you one year to get me moving and and trying to move forward." And we walked in on the one year, the one year date, and. He said, Steve, your legs are as good as they're ever going to get, they're, they're as good as they're ever going to get, and they're not going to get any better, and they're going to get progressively worse for the rest of your life. I said, where do I sign? Let's take them off. Let's, let's take a chance, you know, roll the dice and see what happens. And, uh, I know what I have now, and it's just not how, I don't want to live in a wheelchair, you know, or maybe get up and walk a little bit with a walker. I was, I was right. 40. I didn't, I didn't want that.
1: Well, uh, I even, I even read where, uh, uh, where the good doctor was uh, on the uh, the phone with Walter Reed as you were being willed in for surgery to get some last-minute uh, uh, advice, uh, that uh, there's a lot of initiative there.
3: And, uh, He's, he truly is a, an amazing guy. Um, I told him, you know, I, I wanted, um, well, I guess one of the advantages of waiting, because I begged him to take my legs off when I was initially wounded, because they were, I mean, they were just, blown to pieces. Um, uh, I never moved my eight toes again. All I, all I could move was my big toes. I never moved my foot or my ankle again. So for that year and a half, there was no movement there. So I, I was begging them to take the legs off initially. And then my, you know, my family and the doctor was like, no, let's try to save them. Let's try to save them. So, but one advantage I think of that was I talked to other amputees. And um, one of the amputees told me, if you do go through with this, Get what's called an Erbil procedure done on your legs. It's a bone bridge that they use to connect the, the tibia and the fibula to make it stronger, to help it keep its shape. Uh, think, you know, it, it, it makes it easier to fit prosthetics in the long run. Maybe a little more difficult initially, but in the long run, my understanding is that you know I, I don't go through as many sets of prosthetic sockets as some other amputees because my legs are my legs are basically going to stay the same size now. Forever was other amputees. You know, as it atrophies, it basically gets shaped like a pencil. Mine isn't shaped like that. So, the, he, I told him, I want these. I want this procedure done on both legs. And he's all right. Let me. He goes, I've done a few of those. Let me, let me, call call a friend of mine at Walter Reed, and we'll talk to him and make sure that nothing's changed. There's no updates that, you know, there's not a new procedure or something like that. So he did that. Just, you know, while I was getting prepped for surgery, and they wheeled me in there, and I, I came out. You know, woke up with everyone standing by my bed and uh, missing the bottom half of both legs.
2: Wow. You know, you're amazing. You're amazing. Never giving up hope or mom's breakfast.
3: Yeah, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what kept me going. So some good scrambled eggs and strawberries,
2: right? I bet. I bet. Well, Steve, we're going to take a short break. Are uh, you listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America? And we'll be right back.
0: What's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter? You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network. At gmail dot com. Now, back to our program. All right, welcome
2: back, Steve. I'd like to find out. You know, this is the first time I heard of this about military police. a so civilian military police. Has this been going on all the time? And
3: duty and, and in the guard. When I went back over, I was actually working for the State Department as a contractor
0: and embedded okay.
3: back in an infantry unit. Because of my background. So the the guys I was working with, the majority of them were like me. They'd all served, you know, many years active duty, but then had gone to the guard. And, um, most of them were civilian cops at home. So the State Department ran into a, you know, created a program with DOD and, and they started embedding civilian cops in with these, uh, military units because, you know, part of the job over in Afghanistan is to try to make sure that the, the Afghan police, A and T, are able to take over the security, you know, of the country when we leave. And so we we went out and dealt with them and worked with them every day. We weren't involved in the the training at the camps and things like that. We actually went out and worked. Um, the the group I was with, we went out every day and, and worked with the Afghan police, you know, out outside, not just in a training environment. And. Uh so that's what I was doing there was two of us. There were two two um two civilian cops both uh Jose had been the other civilian cop had been a um, Marine for eight years and then he became a Houston cop where he spent about 15 years with Houston um before going over to work the the same thing I was doing. So it's um there's there's a couple hundred of us over there I think in that capacity now. The uh-huh. at the time I think there was only like 44 of us doing that there were lots of civilians over there doing other things but i think at the time there was about 44 of us where we were actually actually embedded with the military um full time i mean we lived worked trained fought pled. i mean the whole thing with with our
2: uh, our team all right you know you mentioned when we were on break uh, that you brought somebody back with you <laughs> yeah um
3: <laughs> when i first got over there there was um uh Three kittens on our camp and I actually, uh, after I was wounded, made arrangements and, and brought one of them, you know, had it shipped, had her shipped back over here to the house. And like I said, right now she's, she's been chasing me around trying to let me, let her, uh, she wants me to let her outside, but I don't, I don't let her out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. All right. She's
3: faster than I am too around the house. So, you know, get the prosthetic legs get a little, uh, a little tied up sometimes when she, she starts to start chasing me. So. But at yeah. least you can't claw my feet, right? I'm not going to hurt that way.
1: And speaking of fast, uh, I guess you uh, have uh, been in some marathons, I, I believe I read. Uh, one in Hawaii? Uh,
3: the one I've done um, a lot of marathons, half marathons, triathlons. I, in Hawaii, I've done the uh, 10-man triathlon the last two years.
1: And don't you run with, like, a 35-pound uh, 30, backpack on your back? Uh,
3: that was in the Baton Death March, which is actually coming up next month. It's, in, um, White, it's at White Sands, New Mexico. I think this will be the 24th year, um, and it's a, um, it's a full marathon. It's, uh, you know, 26.2 miles. Last year, I think there was about 8,500 people that did it, and it's to honor the um, you know the, 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 the men from the uh, Baton Death March in World War Two.
1: Wow, that's amazing! There's
3: actually, every year, several survivors. There's many survivors that are actually, you know, that were there that survived that uh, that ordeal that come out and, well, uh, you know, we try to honor them. And you know, at the beginning, it's really touching. You get to go up and you actually get to shake their hands. As, you know, as you're crossing the starting line, and then when you come across the finish line, there's a, you know, I've done it the last two years, and there's survivors at the finish line. You know, so it's it truly is an honor to know that, you know, we're out there. There's water stops. There's snacks. There's you know, no one's torturing you as you're doing it. You're, you know, you get to go out to do it in a friendly, competitive environment versus what you know these amazing guys went through um, 70 years ago. So,
1: oh, sure, sure. I imagine it's about the camaraderie and the honoring of uh, thy uh, fellow soldiers. So that's that's awesome. That's hey,
2: awesome. It, it
3: it really is an honor every every time we go out there.
2: Steve. Especially did you ever work with uh, the Disabled Sports USA?
3: Uh, I I do. Uh, it, that It's funny because when I did the Baton Death March in 2011, I went out there with a group of guys from work, and um, we did it as a team. Well, at about four or five miles into the marathon, I came across another amputee, a, a single amputee walking. Well, we started talking. We walked for about a mile together, and he gave me his business card, and his, it was Kirk Bauer. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk is the Bauer. executive director. Uh, Disabled Sports USA and Warfighter Sports. Um, it's a great organization. Uh, they do they do so much for so many. Not just not just veterans, but anyone anyone with any kind of disability. They're going to get you involved in sports, skiing, running, Mount, anything, virtually climbing. any sport. Was <laughs> that
2: mountain climbing? <laughs> mountain climbing. Yeah, they they
3: do they do tend to. Uh, it, it, everything I do tends to involve some kind of mountain. Uh, but, yeah, I met Kirk, and uh, it's been a great organization. Um, I um, had the honor of being part of their team, the five of us that attempted to climb Mount McKinley last year in Alaska. Were uh, you five, one of five, uh, five of us that went up, five veterans. There was only four oh, legs. Yes, yeah. uh, yeah, between you guys. Yeah, three generations, two wars, and one mountain, you know. Or a, oh, yeah, three, three, three wars two generations in one mountain so yeah it was uh it was it was it was a great uh great experience up there wow and, you know, and i was yeah. in the desert for a reason i'm not a big fan of snow so, so yeah everyone kind of laughed that i'm gonna go up to alaska and climb a mountain
1: you know? <laughs> we we had kirk on as a guest and uh boy he's an amazing gentleman uh uh he gets two thousand people up there uh in Breckenridge uh, uh skiing away and uh there's nothing that sounds like will stop that guy. He's uh, he's really uh, involved in what he does and uh very compassionate about it. And uh we had a great show uh with Kirk.
3: Yeah, Kirk Kirk is an amazing guy. He's tried spending three weeks in a tent with him up a, up sixteen thousand feet on a mountain in Alaska. Give you a whole <laughs> new a whole new perspective. Of just how amazing that guy is, um, you know. Like I said, he's he's been, he's been missing his leg above the knee since 1969, mm-hmm. and nothing will stop him. He's he just keeps going and going, and he's just uh he would take that leg off, and you know he hops around on uh, hops around on one foot or with crutches around the camp because of the snow, but. You know, nothing, nothing was going to deter him from making it. The only thing that stopped us was the weather. The weather up there was just absolutely horrid. Uh, six people were killed while we were up there, um, from, not from our team, mostly, but from other teams. I mean, it's, it's, it's no joke to be up there. And, we, you know, we're, we're proud of how high we made it, but at the same time, I want to go back and finish it. You know, the weather, but the weather was just, like I said, you know, 70-mile-an-hour sustained winds, chest-deep snow very difficult for anyone to move in those circumstances. Um, but it eventually got to the point where we were just stuck and we couldn't go any further. And we made it to just shy of 16,000 feet. So,
1: Yeah, I believe Kirk mentioned on our show that uh, uh, he's going to give it another go. Oh,
3: that would be great. It was, uh, like I said, truly... um it was beautiful up there. Like I said, I'm a desert rat. I love the desert. You know, I love living around sea level. Um, but uh, that was that was a. Uh, the views were amazing. Uh, just so obviously, it's it's a completely different world. There's not a tree. There's not a bug. There's not a bird. There's, it is just nothing but snow and ice. And then the people that you're with, and of course the mountain, uh, that's, that's trying to challenge you every step of the way.
2: Steve, you also mentioned, well, you know, when you were up there, I think, uh, was it four or six days you were actually stalled out because of a snowstorm?
3: Uh, we had stuck at 11,000 for four days because of a huge storm. I mean, the winds were crazy. That's where the uh, four uh, Japanese climbers were killed. They were killed uh, right. just probably about 800 feet above us as they were coming back down. They got pushed into one of those large crevasses by a, you know, a, a, a small avalanche. And then, um, we made it up to 14,000 and got stuck there for eight days. And the weather where we were at was pretty beautiful. I mean, it was pretty nice. I mean, it wasn't bad. The, the weather where we were trying to get to is, was just horrendous. Teams were stuck. No one could move up or down. It was just the park service, you know, you can't forecast the weather maybe more than a couple hours out up there. And, uh, it was a challenge. I mean, you're, you're stuck in the tent because there is no cable, there's no internet there's no phone you know you can't carry a bunch of books. I carried a little iPod and a cell and a solar charger so i I downloaded some books on my um iPod the other guy's brought like a kindle you you literally can you can't do anything it's eight days you can't go play catch you can't do go to the store it's you're you're just trying to occupy your mind while you're stuck there for eight days, wondering: Are we going to keep going? Are we going to run out of food? Uh, you know, what's the deal here? And so it, it was. It was tough because we were all ready for it, but the, you know, the weather the weather won. You know, the mountain uh, dictates movement. So, yeah.
1: well, are you we'll sure you to... sh- you sure have to be able to get along with the folks that you're
2: up there with. I would imagine. Uh, and, makes it, uh, and, that,
3: that would that would make it easier. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, Kirk's a phenomenal guy. You know, just about every, uh, uh wounded warrior we've talked to, um, they talked about Kirk showing up at, uh, Walter Reed just about every day. And mm-hmm. uh, he was there and, and they, lots of them said that he, they say, he saved their lives. You know, they, he gave them the initiative to, to keep going. He's a phenomenal yeah. guy. He is.
3: Um, I, I enjoy everything I do. Every opportunity I get to, you know, do something with Kirk. I've already got. I, I you know, I saw him in December up in Breckenridge. I get to see him. Um, and, uh, in April, I think we are, we're doing two events together. Uh, yeah, he's he's an amazing guy, and he never stops. He never slows down. And not only that, he's got an amazing staff. The people nice. that work for DSUSA are, are phenomenal because it's always. You know they're always putting us first. You know, warfighter sports is their—you know—the military branch of DSUSA, and they're—they're they're amazing.
1: Well, being that we're uh, we have offices there in uh, in Scottsdale, Steve, we uh, we do occasional events. Uh, we did one uh, not long ago. It was um, uh, military appreciation night. We did it at the Scottsdale Resort. Uh, and country club uh... gary you flew out for that one as well yes Um, but uh... you know we just have door prizes and entertainment and uh... speakers and uh... just uh... it's a good time we just all get together to rub elbows and uh... uh... everybody to show their appreciation for the sacrifices that are being made by these men and women uh... and yourself included in that uh, uh, it's, it's a great thing. We're planning on doing one coming up here, uh, uh, in the near future, uh, in Arizona. So we'll definitely get you on the list. And, uh, Hey, I'd like to give you a call one time and, uh, see if maybe we could have lunch or something. That'd be awesome. All okay. right.
3: Yeah. I'm playing golf out in Scottsdale tomorrow. So that's another sport I've taken up since I, since I was here. I, I never golfed when I had my legs. So now what the heck I, I go out and I play, I mean, what better place to learn to play golf than in Phoenix?
1: Oh, absolutely! Where are you playing tomorrow?
3: Uh, I'm playing in the Tee It Up for the Troops tournament tomorrow out in uh, Scottsdale.
1: Ah, that's awesome! That is mm-hmm. awesome. Too bad I'm <laughs> gonna miss that one.
3: Yeah, it's <laughs> that's uh, true. So it's, a, no, it's, it's a great time. It's a scramble. You know, you go out there, and you you know, they put a veteran on each team, and uh, well, it's a good time. I did it two years ago, and which was I, honestly the first 18 holes of golf I'd ever played in my life, even though it was a scramble. And since then, I've I've really enjoyed. Play and I play with my uh, my sergeant at work all the time. Yeah.
1: Not we're not and at
3: work, but you know we'll when we'll, we'll we'll go on a weekend or something and play around. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's I'm enjoying
1: it.
2: All right, I couldn't have a better sport. All right. Well, it's time for another short break. We're here with American Hero Steve Martin, a DPS officer in Arizona. Uh, you're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by the Voice of America on a variety channel, and we'll be right back. Seen everything there is to see in online television?
1: Let us surprise you.
2: Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7.
0: American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. To learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need. About wealth. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome
2: back. I just want to remind everyone that uh, we have went mobile and uh, tune us in one day or listen to the shows, uh, especially the archive shows. That's all you have to do is go to hero.com. Dot U U is an umbrella. B is in boy. The number one dot CEO. And Stephen, you can tell us about one of our uh, mobile sponsors.
1: Well, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Joshua Cole, uh, our main mobile sponsor. He's with First Class Merchant Services, and uh, uh, he's very interested in, in helping our associates and veterans and veterans organizations. Save money on their monthly credit and service charges. Uh, uh, all you have to do is click on First Class Merchant Services logo on our site, um, or give them a call. But uh, uh, we thank you, Josh, and uh, it's made it possible for more people to tune in. All right. So,
2: Thanks. what other what other uh, activities do you do, Steve? Um, I, I run it? a lot. I um, you do. Since I've um,
3: since I lost my legs before I was injured, I, I ran. I was a big runner. I loved to run. I've run my whole life. Um, now, since I was wounded, um, I, I thought that was over. I really thought, okay, well, you know, I'll be happy if I can walk. Um, now, since since I was, I ran my first 5K about three months after I got out of my wheelchair. Right? I won't say I ran it. I, I finished it. Uh, I was slow, but I, I, I did cross the finish line. Uh, and since then, I've run. Last year, I did 15 races of very, you know different lengths. From I ran seven half marathons, full marathon, a triathlon, uh, you know, an Olympic distance triathlon, and you know some 5Ks and, and things like that here locally. But uh, it's I really enjoy doing those things. You know, it's I get a lot. And I'm slow. I mean, I'm pathetically slow, but I cross the finish line every time. I just actually just ran another half marathon last Sunday in Pasadena with my dad. Um, he flew out, you know, they're, they moved up to Chicago a few months ago. So the, it's a little cold up there, colder than they're used to. So, um, it was a nice break for my parents to get out to, uh, uh, California, which is where we're from. And so my dad and I ran this, uh, half marathon, the rock and roll half marathon in Pasadena. And we did it together last year. He liked it so much. He gave it another one. So he's a, you know, uh, three tours of Vietnam, you know, uh vet and did, uh, so we've done it the last two years. He's 66 years old and crushed it. Didn't even have a, didn't even have any issues. I, I think I was, I think I was too slow for him. Last year he had to wait on, or I had to wait on him. This year he had to wait on me.
1: <laughs> oh, it sounds like a lot of fun, a family affair.
3: What oh yeah, yep. Yeah, so I've got, I'm, I'm one of five boys. I, you know, I'm in the middle of five. So. Oh. Well,
1: that's awesome. We're,
3: yeah, three of us are here in the valley, and then, uh, you know, one in California, one in, in uh, Texas. So. Parents got grandkids everywhere.
1: Well, Steve, what uh, what part of Southern California are from?
3: I'm from San Diego.
1: San Diego. That's where oh, my, yeah. Son's.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: my son. Yeah, my son goes to San Diego State. There. Was that? Uh, my son uh, uh, go attend San Diego State.
3: Yeah, I graduated high school right down right down from there, and um, I, my son's actually a sophomore at VCU in Richmond, Virginia. Uh huh. So. That's- yeah, he yeah. likes it back there. I don't understand the whole East Coast thing, but I'll let him have it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've done my, uh, my hardest to, uh, to keep him, uh, to keep him local and, uh, he can't stay away from the water. He's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh the beach boy all the way and, uh, uh it's always, uh, it's either a surfboard or a snowboard or, Um, you know, we've got a cabin up in Big Bear and he's up there, uh, snowboarding or he's, uh, he's down surfing. So we're, uh, uh, actually I'm a a native Californian, which is, uh, as you probably well know, is, uh, uh, that doesn't happen very often anymore. No,
3: it's, uh, it's like you never find anyone that's actually, uh, from Phoenix. Everyone moved here.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. I actually went to, to college in Pasadena. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah.
3: yeah. It was nice town. It was great, it was a great, uh, it's a little hilly, you know, believe it or not. When you come up out of the Rose Bowl, there's a big hill, and
1: you've
3: got to have the big hill to go back down in the, into the Rose Bowl for, for the finish. And going downhill is much harder for me than going uphill. You know, without ankles, downhill's tough.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I do some rock climbing there in Phoenix, and, and, uh, it uh, it's always more difficult for me to come come downhill than it is going up. I've got some uh, my ankles are a little bit tattered from uh, many years of football, so it's uh, coming down seems to be more of a chore than it is uh, is going up the hill. But... Uh,
3: other than that, I, like, I like to I still scuba dive. I, I went skydiving uh, a few months ago. I, I it was the first time I'd gone since I was wounded. Um, Loved it, you know, down in Eloy, just went went down there on my a live day on the on the fourth anniversary of me being uh, when I was wounded. I was at the CrossFit, I do CrossFit up here and surprise. Uh I was at then I went to the gym, was on the elliptical and I thought, you know, I was blown up four years ago today. Here I am, I'm working out, I'm doing things I want to do. I want to do something extra. So I went home, got cleaned up real quick, jumped in the car, drove down. It seemed perfectly natural to go jump out of a plane from thirteen thousand five hundred feet. <laughs>
1: Well, you, how'd you how'd you like that? Because I'm actually considering doing that.
3: Oh, I love it. it it's a it's a great it's a great sensation. It's a great sport. Um, it's just uh, yeah. It was it was it's funny. I went up to Las Vegas for the Police Softball World Series uh, year before last, two years ago, and I went to go do the zip line. You know, they put a zip line in on Fremont Street. So I'm there with my family and some friends. So I walk in. I'm in I'm in my prosthetics obviously. And the place would not let me zip line. They, they seriously thought that my legs would fall off and hit somebody and they'd get sued. <laughs> are you kidding? So it's, it's amazing how uninformed people are still with all of the people that have been coming back, you know, with missing limbs, how they, they just don't understand. I mean, I mean, I had to learn, I didn't understand at first obviously, but it was one of the things that they thought that I would, as I was ziplining, you know, 50 feet down, you know, above everybody down Fremont Street, that my leg would just fall off and conk people on the head. If I lay down on the ground, you couldn't pull this leg off. It's not coming off. And, uh, um, yeah, it was, that was very frustrating. But, so, I, I want to film a picture of me skydiving with my legs. And, here I'm at 13,500 feet. Um, leg's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: so, yeah. So, so, Fremont Street, instead of parting water, you parted concrete.
3: <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh, the, um, they just don't uh they didn't understand. They just would not you know, I like stood in front of the stood in front of the business and took a picture and put it you know, let social media decide and the owner called me the next day. So they were just absolutely getting obliterated, you know, by phone calls for people that were angry that they would not uh you know, look, zip line. I mean, it's a two hundred foot zip line. It's not you know, it's just a it's a tourist thing there on Fremont Street, you know, cost whatever it was, twenty, twenty five bucks or whatever. That's and true. um yeah, he said they just got hammered on Facebook, on Twitter, and everything else about not letting me zip line. I'm like, wait, I should have brought the whole Wounded Warrior Softball team up there and let them, because HBO was doing a documentary about these guys, and or you know HBO Sports, and it's been interesting to see what would have happened with the reaction if they had denied, you know, 15 amputee vets, you know, from from doing something as simple as zip lining when we you know we've uh, done so much more.
2: Yeah, that
1: would have been an S-storm for
2: sure. Yeah. So. You know, Steve, Steve, we're having a uh, Wounded Warriors uh, uh, event in April in DeLand. DeLand is known as the skydiving champion. Well, where everybody comes for their parachutes and, and for skydiving events. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're having a special ops team come in, and they're taking all the wounded warriors <laughs> that are at the uh uh, the block party up and tandem jumping them. Uh, nice. <laughs> which is pretty kind of cool. I jumped many, many years ago. I don't think, uh, they had parachutes without static lines. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's exciting. Uh, it's something definitely that everybody should do, as uh, I guess put it in our bucket list, they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is exciting, isn't it? It it's is. It's celebrating. Uh, I
3: jumped, I was in, um, Australia it
2: was my oh, first jump. Geez. Yeah, wow. so diving on
3: the Great Barrier Reef one day, jumping over skydiving over rainforest the next. Yeah, it was that was a good. That was a good week.
1: Yeah, that sounds like it. That's another thing I want to do is the the diving. My son does uh, quite a bit of that, and he's trying to get me, Dad. You know, let's let's go diving. He does night dives over to Catalina. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, he says it's a blast down there.
3: Oh, scuba diving is amazing. Uh, It 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 really is, and I was worried about what it would be like with the prosthetics. But I actually have a set of prosthetic legs, just for scuba diving and swimming. That's what they're there for. They're made to use in the water. I wouldn't, you know, I can't wear them around, you know, around the house or around town. I mean, they're just for being in the water.
1: So I swim with
3: those. I swim with those, and I scuba dive with them.
1: That's just amazing the technology, and and like you said, people really don't know. They're they're uninformed of you know really what's out there um you know we we uh, uh we have some associates that uh actually design uh golf equipment uh for amputees where it enables them to go out and to learn the beautiful game of golf and get out in the outdoors and uh there's so many things that you can do if you just put your mind to it uh it, it's incredible
3: it is there's a. I actually right now I have I have multiple sets of legs you know, I have a set of i uh, I actually have a set of bionic ankles they're they're brand new they've been out for a little over a year I guess uh, made by a company called iWalk up near Boston and they the feet are powered they have a battery pack it looks like a you know the Walt battery pack of plug in the back of it and it's got a motor in it and it it actually it moves it pushes me along um I mean, I still, I still work, but the foot actually pushes off as I step. It has what's called power plantar flexion, and it, it it actually, I use less energy, you know, in my body to do the things throughout the day as I, as I'm wearing them. So you're not as tired at the end of the day from just a day of, you know, just your average day walking around, you know, maybe you, maybe if you work in an office or something, it's a big, it's a big, uh, advancement in, in the prosthetic technology, and it's, um, I I enjoy wearing them. I, I, like I said, I have sets of legs that I run in. I have sets of legs that I walk in. You know, or I hike. Um, it's just there's a there's a the technology is pretty amazing, and it's only it's only getting better because you know let's face it, there's a lot of us to try it out for them.
2: No, well, that's that's for sure. Wow, you know it's that time again. It's for a short break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
3: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our
0: mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are tuned into american heroes network if you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show please send an email to american heroes network at gmail.com that's American Heroes Network at gmail.com now back to our program
2: welcome back Steve when we were on break uh, you were mentioning about companies coming to you <laughs> I,
3: uh, they are um, I'm fairly active I, I like to do as much as I can I, I don't just I don't just go to the store or you know stay around the house I try to get out and do as much as I can so now I've been empty for about three a little over three years now and I've been walking. For three years next month. So March will be three years. I've actually been out of my wheelchair and walking and, and, you know, doing these things. But it's interesting now. Yeah, I'm, I'm a decent sized guy. i you know, 220 pounds. So I'm, I'm, I put a lot of stress on these prosthetics. I actually broke one. uh... broke one in a race and I was able to finish. But, um, so now it's interesting. I just finished testing a new type of prosthetic for a company and now another company has contacted me said, Hey, will you mind? Testing out this new foot. I mean, it's it's. I, I think it's great because anything is going to help, you know, other other my, you know myself, other people, um, other amputees, to, for the new type of technology that maybe it gets someone, maybe that technology, that foot, you know, someone I have maybe a little more difficulty than I do. It gives them an opportunity to. Maybe this foot will be the one that gets them out of their wheelchair or off of their crutches or walker because it really, it fits their, there. There's so many type, types of prosthetics and so many companies that not everybody can, can wear them. So, um, it really, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to me that I, now I get a phone call. Hey, would you be interested in, you know, my prosthetist will call me and say, Hey, another company called. They want you to, to test out their foot. I've, I've had, I've put feet on where I'm like, I wouldn't wear this out of the parking lot. To where, like, I want. I can I get a set of these? These are awesome. You know, I mean, it, it, it runs the gamut. So it's, wow. uh, you know, I'm waiting on some more to uh, start testing them out shortly.
1: Like we were talking about during the break, uh, he's got more legs in his closet than I have shoes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you
3: know, it's kind of funny now. I have to buy shoes. I mean, I was always like a one or two pair of shoes guy. Now I've got a got a set of shoes on each set of foot or each set of feet. <laughs>
1: Now, now, Gary didn't uh, didn't Adidas make a, um, a custom pair of uh, uh, shoes specifically for Major Ed Polito? That's,
2: That's correct. correct. That's, That's correct. correct. They did. In fact, uh, now they have been, in what red, white, and blue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're red, white, yeah for blue. golfing too. For golfing shoes. And
1: golfing shoes and uh, uh, did, did, have you ever had the opportunity to meet to meet Major Ed Polito? Uh, I
3: think i i am not sure i think i met him at baton last year briefly it was just he was another participant um that sounds familiar but i don't know if that was him or not and if it was it was just a passing. hey how are you
1: yeah he's uh he's a um the spokesperson for folds of honor uh which uh, we work with on and off and he's just a incredible gentleman a powerful powerful speaker uh i, I mean i've i've seen him uh uh, thousands of people, and uh, there's not a there's not a dry eye in the uh, audience. He's just if you ever get an opportunity um, uh, to meet him, uh, tell him uh, Stephen Lee said hello. And uh, if you ever get an opportunity to hear him speak, by all means uh, take advantage of it. He's uh, just a great gentleman, and we're honored to to call him our friend.
2: I remember the first time I met him a couple years ago. We were waiting for him to show up. We were all at the PGA. Uh, uh, convention center. And, uh, they said, well, he'll be right here. He was charging his leg. Uh, I didn't realize, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that, that he was, that he has a leg that's char- rechargeable.
3: He's an above knee amputee then, I guess. The, uh, yeah, that was another challenge on the mountain. Uh, was two, uh, three of the guys had above knee amputee, uh, above knee prosthetics. So they, they would use a solar charger to charge their legs. On the days that we were, you know, resting and recovering. Wow. we so yet another logistical
2: challenge for, you know, amputees. All right. Well, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about your job being a DPS officer uh, in Arizona? You've been um, there what 17, 18 years now?
3: I've uh, been, been an officer out here for 17 years now. Um, I was, I when I got off active duty, I came out here and I worked for. Uh, I uh, started with the Phoenix Police Department, then left there in 1999, went over to DPS, which is the Highway Patrol. And then I, uh, I, I took a leave of absence to go over and work, uh, to, I took a leave of absence to, to go work overseas, and that's when I was wounded. So, when I was, when I was overseas, when I was in Afghanistan, and when I, actually when I came home for my leave, partway through the, the job over there, um I put on my uniform, and I'd go back out and work. I, I so um, was, you know, I'd work patrol. So after I was wounded, the department has supported me has been amazing, the department has, has been fantastic. I did leave full-time, I'm no longer working full-time, uh, I am, but I am still a sworn uh, reserve officer out here. And I think right now there's three, there might be four, but I think there's three double empty police officers in the United States, um, one in North Carolina, one in uh, CHP has one out in California, and there was one in Oregon, I'm not sure if he's still doing it or not, and then myself. and. Um, it's a challenge. Uh, one one year, two weeks, and two days after my legs were amputated, I was actually back in uniform and back out on uh, out on patrol, uh, out there wow. work, working nights. You know, taking accidents, helping people change tires, arresting DUIs, and uh, anything else that needed to be that I that I did. Any, as the same job I was doing before I was before I was injured. Uh, it's right now. I'm on the training staff, uh, so I, I teach, I write lesson plans, I do those things. But I think in a couple of months, I'm hoping that I'm going to go back out to. I don't like working in an office, so I think I'm hoping to uh, get back out on the road and um, you know go work probably probably you know a few days a month out there. Um, it, it, is, it is a challenge. Uh, I think physically, I can do I can do just about anything uh i'm obviously not as fast as i was before i'm not as uh you know quite uh but as far as there were officers i worked with and i went back out on, the, out on the road that i ran into one of them at the gym he actually lives out here near near me in the west side of phoenix and i ran to the gym he's like you work for dps right and i was like yeah and he goes I had no idea you were an amputee. So, I mean, that's a good thing. You know, I'm not out there, I'm not out stumbling and walking. Flying. If I put pants on, people do not know I'm an amputee. And pretty much the only time I wear pants is when I'm working. But the, uh, because that being an amputee, it, it starts a lot of conversations. It's, it's, it's funny that, that it's, to have something like, like this happen is, uh, it's, I don't want to use the word blessing, but I really get to do some, some, interesting things i get to talk to a lot of people i get to hopefully be a positive role model and example of what we can do after you know after we're wounded we're not just stuck on a couch and uh, you know a, a drain and a burden and, and feeling sorry for yourself it's get out there and do everything I, i'm doing everything i did before and more
1: well the fact that uh that people can cannot tell uh i mean that's that's amazing in and of itself Yes, I mean it's
2: I,
3: I'm you know like I said I'm lucky my injuries were really low so I I, I have both knees. Our gunner, uh, the guy who was our gunner in our, in our Humvee when we were hit, Mike Downing, lives near Boston. He his legs were blown off above the knee. It's it's a totally different ball game, you know. In the amputee, you know, hierarchy, there's the single below knee amputee, there's the single above knee, then there's the bilateral below, then the bilateral above, and it's um it, it's just one of those things that. I'm very thankful that I still have my knees because it allows me to, it allows me to do things that I still want to do, you know, without the extra added challenge of not having knees. Um, so like I said, it, it is still a challenge. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it hurts. I pay, when I go out and, and do these things, I pay a pretty heavy price physically. Um, you know, a lot of times when I get done doing stuff, it, it'll take me two, two to three days to recover because, you know, basically my leg is encased in rubber. And it just, it really, really t- does a toll, takes a, you know, takes a toll on your, on your skin. And if I, when I, why, why, one of the reasons I won't go, I don't think I can go back full time is the fact that, you know, I go out and work two or three days in a row and then all of a sudden I, I can't put my legs on because I start getting like an ingrown hairs and, and it's little things like that that are just, um, it's extremely painful if your socket's not fitting right, if your skin's torn up. And it's just you—you you have to be careful. You don't get more abscesses and things like that. To because I don't—I don't have, you know, another way of getting around, you know, short of a wheelchair. And and um, I don't want to—I want to stay out of that wheelchair as long as I can. I, I enjoy my mobility and everything else, but I—I I have to be careful because when I do try to do too much, I really pay a heavy price um, physically, which usually involves me sitting on the couch uh, for a couple of days, just trying to let my legs recover.
1: Well, Steve, you're an incredible gentleman, and we're very, very honored to uh, have you on our show, and you're welcome back at any time. Um, We like to uh, just bring on the heroes uh, out there and, and let their stories be known, and that's basically what the American Heroes Network is about uh, is about to inform people, to educate people on what's happening out there and the sacrifices that are being made and uh, all of us uh, pitching in, uh, learning more and uh, reaching down a little bit deeper to help these organizations uh, that do so much uh, to help our heroes. So we, we thank you so very kindly for joining us on the show today, Steve, and uh, just uh if you would kindly put a shout out to all your buddies, uh, you know, if they see me going a little bit too fast over there, kind of
2: cut me a break. I knew you were going to bring up fixing tickets here. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen.
1: I was leading up to something. <laughs>
2: well, I do appreciate the opportunity to be here today. All right. You know our show is coming to a close, and again, uh, Steve, thanks a lot for taking that time out of your busy schedule to uh, be on the American Heroes Network. And uh, do you have any last words before we go? No, just uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate what
3: you guys are doing. There's so many. Um, you know, I, I've I've lost several friends uh, over there. I have a lot of friends that are that are injured. Um, you know, it cost me my marriage. Uh, there's it's it's a tough situation. So. I appreciate uh, what you're doing, trying to, you know, show show some support for our, our veterans.
2: I appreciate that. We appreciate that. That's what it's all about. Stephen, do you have any last words?
1: I don't. I just want to tell our listeners thank you for tuning in to the American Heroes Net, Network. And we're looking forward to uh, having another hero with us next week. And please tune in. Thank you very kindly, and God bless America. This is
2: Gary Gary Ray and Stephen Lee signing off, and thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network.
0: Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and Ted Griffin, Jr. again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. with Breeze.